0: Well, our next guest would know, what.
1: Well, we've had the king, now we've got the queen. Yeah, we do. We do have the queen of AFL at the moment. Uh, absolute thrill and so excited. Uh, first Melbourne premiership person on our show. Oh, I can't believe it's taken this long. Uh, and we say good evening to you, the President, Kate Roffey. G'day, Kate. Good evening everyone, how are you? Good to hear about the King Wally I'm a a
2: Maroons supporter so lovely for him to get
1: a shout out on your show Well uh, yeah, we couldn't believe it he was very late in, uh, to be honest Uh, and I think he said yes at about half past three today so very late in but uh, we got you on early last week but yeah, thank you for joining us Uh, what's it like being the President of the Premiership team?
0: Uh,
2: It's an extraordinary I, I spoke to Sonia Hood, who's actually, um, we won't mention North Melbourne, but she's the new North Melbourne president, and when Sonia had just taken over, I'd I'd given her a buzz to say welcome and whatever, and she just reminded me when she spoke at her president's function, I was there, she said when uh, Kate was one of the first people to call me, and I said to her at the time, you will never do a more unusual job um, than this, and you'll never do anything more extraordinary than being not just a premiership president, but the first president in 57 years for your club. And I, I believe, and I'm pretty certain this is correct, I am the only Melbourne premiership president alive. <laughs>
0: <All> right, <laughs> okay, fair, <pretty> cool. <laughs> well, you've, Kate, it was you. You've done some extraordinary things sort of throughout your uh, outside football career. Mm. Um, what, a, what I want to know at the moment is sort of the conversations outside of football that you have maybe with like, with the likes of Daisy Pearce or even some of maybe with Maxie Gorn, just the conversations that you have would have around sort of mentoring because you are a very successful person in your own right. Yeah, look, one of
2: the, well, one of the things that I always say um, and, the, and the fabulous Christian Petrarca, He sent me a message once and he said, thanks for caring about us players. Uh, That means a lot. And I said, Chris, I care about you people. People first, players second. And that's a really important thing to me. I care about them as people and I help all of them be the best people that they can be any way I can. And when we have the best people that we can have at our club, then we'll have the best culture and the best team. And I actually think that we have that. But really, it's just being there for anything they need, whether it's just to chat about how they're going in general. I'm always chit-chatting away and checking in to see how they're going um, outside of football. Um, not so much how did you play on the weekend, what did you think um, about your game, but more what are you doing outside of footy, how's your study going, how's the baby, those sorts of things because they are people and they you know do extraordinarily unusual things as athletes. That's a career that will end, and we know that um, it will end probably a lot more quickly than other careers, so I want to make sure I can do as much as I can to ensure when they finish their careers, they're set up to go on and, and do something else, and it's remembered as an extraordinarily positive time in their life, but it's not the thing that their life is defined by.
0: And I think, too, with your background in sports psychology, not much, mm. not much would get past you.
2: Yeah, yeah, look, we're all a lot, Um, I'm a lot wiser just because I'm older, and we all, you know, old people are wise people, they may not necessarily be the smartest people at using that wisdom, but they've just seen more and know more, and so I've been through a lot of these things that they've been through myself and in the you know great wisdom that we call hindsight you're over to offer a bit of insight into things that seem like enormous things now young Jake Bowie losing his first game and that's disappointing because he and I did have an agreement that he wouldn't lose for five years, and then um, I'd be set up as president
1: for the rest <laughs> of my life. You broke that. And How he, dare you?
2: He <laughs> did, I know. He's, he's broken that on me. But, um, you know, it, it's not that, Well, it seems like in the aftermath of the game, the worst thing that's ever going to happen, putting it in some perspective, you realise that you'll bounce back from it and drives you on to do greater things, and like your football career will be extraordinary, as will my time as president. Um, but I am president because of who I am. I'm not who I am because I'm the president of the football club, and it's the same for them. They're Who they are, and that makes them good players. They're not good people because they're good footballers. Um, it's the other way around. So we really work hard on that at our club, and, and I think that shows.
0: I watched an interview uh, when you were first uh, appointed and you were asked about your spare time and what you liked doing and have you found that taking on the role you actually have any spare time that outside of everything else you do?
2: You know, I, get, I do a lot of um, talks and, and leadership talks and things and I, uh, that question always comes up about work-life balance and I say there is no work-life balance it's management and um, I do work between my full time CEO job and the president, I'm a deputy chancellor at a university so that's flat out but when I'm taking time out and I um, I make furniture um, in my spare time, my dad was a, a builder so I make things with dovetail joints and things that hold together without um, screws and nails which is extraordinary um, that's what I do and when I'm doing that I, I don't have my phone on, I don't do anything except focus on that and have my downtime so I'm very good at compartmentalizing things and if I'm working I'm available but if I'm if I'm not for example when I'm talking to to you and your listeners you have my full attention my phone's off I'm sitting in a quiet space and I'm just focusing on and what I'm doing here, and I think that's the trick is just compartmentalize and make mm. sure that when you are having downtime, when you are helping someone, when you're having a coffee with a friend, when you're um, giving guidance to a nephew or a niece or a child, that you take that time to focus on them. Don't sit there with your phone on, half paying attention. That's not fair on them.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to ask you to choose between your children here. Who's your favorite?
2: <laughs> here's my, my favorite. Yeah. Look, um. I, I, it's uh, genuinely um, I have so many favourites it, it probably depends who I've just seen yep. um, as to who's my favourite but uh, look it's like having 60 um, children um, in terms of you know they're all like sons and daughters to me the men and women who play for our football club and uh, you, you know you don't really have favourite kids I can say that you know I love Benny Brown for the things that he does off the field particularly with our watch um and those sorts of things. I love Chris because he's just such an extraordinary guy. I love Maxi Gorn because he's such a, you know, a funny guy and he's so down to earth. I love Days because she's such a legend. I love Lily Nippon because she's always laughing. So I could think about every single one of our players and say... They're my favourite in this way, but they'd all be my favourite in a, in a different way. How's that for a diplomatic oh, that's a very good yeah. answer. Okay. I, I'd say
1: the Policies same thing. my next stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the same thing, Kate. That's, uh, they're, they're quite a list of people. Um, now, um, the membership, uh, you're aiming for 65 now. Uh, we yeah. broke, broke our yeah. membership record um, earlier this year. So we're up to... Absolutely. Si- how close are we to the uh, goal of 65,000 members? Yeah, uh, we're over 61 <coughs> right.
2: uh, now, so we're still... We're over 61, so we're still moving. Interestingly, uh, the fabulous Gary Lyon was uh, doing SEN, I think it was, on uh, Monday morning or Tuesday morning, and they were talking about the fact that um, someone had rung up bemoaning how small the Melbourne crowds were, so Gary got onto it and checked, and uh, Richmond have had the biggest crowd numbers this year. Carlton was second, and Melbourne... Third in terms of um, crowd actual attendances. So people always keep telling me, oh, Melbourne will be a small club. It's always a small club. I said, no, it's not. It's um, We'll be a big club and we'll be 65,000 members. We've got a lot of young people mm. who are joining and that's something that you haven't um, said about Melbourne Football Club for quite a while. One, because, yes, we're successful, but two, we've got a great culture and really great personalities. Yes. And young kids, you can see with their Maxi Gordon T-shirts or their Daisy Pierce T-shirts or their Karen Paxman T-shirts or their, their um, Clary shirt, that really makes a big difference to to um, membership numbers. And these will now be rusted on because, of course, you know, you can't change a club. These young people will now be rusted on members for their, you know, next 60, 70, 80 years. Of course, they won't have to wait that long for another premiership
0: this time around. But so, you know, it's a really exciting times. So as I keep saying to everyone, you've got to believe in this club. Certainly do. I'm I'm fascinated by Daisy Pierce's journey. I think she's been great and I, I adore her. I know she's got she's playing again and holds um, some aspirations of coaching but I i could see her sort of fitting into the the world that you operate in outside yeah. do you is that something you've spoken to her about or would you is there another person in the organization you've gone well, i've identified you sort of come with me on my journey as well
2: yeah look um we're we're all very different days is she's one of those extraordinary people who has a life journey that's uh, you know it, it just has made such a huge difference I, you know coaching's a space they go into Daisy won the best commentator mm. um, uh, last year she's an extraordinarily insightful commentator and I, I'd, I personally would love to see her continue on in that space but she could do leadership Daisy could do business she's a midwife as well so um, she loves doing that All I will say, whatever Daisy chooses to do, I'll be there to support her 100% to, you know, be the absolute star that she will be in whatever she chooses to do next, just like she has been on the field. But um, if she wants to do, you know, infrastructure development or things like that, like I've done, absolutely, I'll um, help guide her. But, you know, just be the best person that you can and enjoy what you do, I think is the main thing.
0: I think the way she does it with being so humble and with all the kids running around her ankles as well at times, I mean, yeah, extraordinary. Yeah. And the men's team, obviously, from my point of view, I'm a North supporter and I'm glad yeah. you sort of brought up Sonia <laughs> earlier. I mean, I think, and I, you'll probably agree, I, I think the media has been a little bit too harsh on us. These things take time and, and you've done your eight yeah. to nine years essentially. So,
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, then, people talk about a premiership year. I, I say it's not a year. I came onto the board nine years ago and was part of that time where we said, right, we, we have to go absolutely back to square one and do make all of the hard decisions we built. I remember Ruthie saying to me, in one of the first board meetings that we had, he said, heads up, we've got to rebuild. We're not going to win a game for two or three years. It's what we have to do. And you've just got to go back and, and grit your teeth and, and guts it out. And I think you're right, North Melbourne are... Realising that that's what you've got to do. And it takes a long time. You've got to stick to the path. You've got to recruit good players. People go, oh, you've got Clary and Gus and, and you know, Jacko. We recruited all those players in the draft and have stuck with them and, you know, turned them into the cultural leaders that we want at our club. You've just got to chip away and keep doing that and not give up when, you know, when you, you might lose every game. Because North Melbourne came out and had a, a really great crack At us, they've got nothing Mm. to lose. So the signs there, you know, in the end, it's can you go for the full four quarters when you're such a young team. Decision-making, people always say, oh, they don't look up. And I say that's because what we call being unconsciously competent where you don't actually have to think anymore about dropping the ball on your foot because that just is something that you unconsciously do. That takes time to develop as an athlete, and you'll see athletes who do look up and you go, oh, they've got such great vision. They're ones who don't have to think about executing those skills anymore. They're just so natural to them. So that's a journey, and you've got to get all your people doing that at the same time. It's not an easy thing.
1: No, it's not. Uh, One of the guys you mentioned there, I can't let you get away without discussing Luke uh, Jackson and Angus Brasher's contract situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you got some breaking news for us?
2: No, no. well, I, my personal um, opinion is though neither of them are going anywhere. They're both great guys, but it's not something really in the season. There's a lot of media attention put on it, but in the season they're, they're busy, they're out there playing, and, um, you know, I, I would personally um, be certainly hoping and expecting that we'll they'll be both staying um, at Melbourne. But, you know, again, as I said, the decision's up to them, and they make decisions for all sorts of different reasons um, and, you know, I will support any of our players, you know, whatever they choose to do and wherever they choose to go. But I'm pretty certain um, Jack Owen and, and Gus will be running around in Melbourne colours for a few years to come. Well, he's got a big smile. Yes, he made no, him I'm
1: happy. happy. Very, very, <laughs> I'll sleep tonight. Thanks, Kate. Um, now, Fantastic. How's the redevelopment going of um, Gosh's Paddock? Uh, are we all set there? And is, is there gonna be, have we announced a building or a uh, placement for perhaps a social club? Are Coming soon. So we're still. So paddock's
2: going well. So of course, um, if you go down there, you can see the little um, sprouts of grass coming up. So it's pretty much grass again. But it's got to. Sort of, uh, people are going, why aren't you using it? And the grass actually has to knit. Um, otherwise, they'll just tear it straight up. So the little root systems are knitting away there to make sure that it's nice and strong and and not going to get damaged when um, when the uh, men and women are playing on it and training on it but that just takes a bit of time and that'll be um a few weeks yet but soon they'll be back down at Goshers paddock facility wise look we're being really careful because we're um making sure that this is a long-term agreement and there's some options around but we've got to make sure it works uh, for us over a long period of time so we're very deep into discussions but we're taking it very seriously in terms of saying that whatever we do um, it's got to be the right facility for our men and women and it's got to be a long-term option so uh, it seems like it's taking a long time but having done a few of these um, in my time in terms of facility development so i can assure you it's um it is cracking on behind the scenes albeit um it doesn't may not look like it on the surface
0: you are wearing uh sort of both both shoes in in that area mm-hmm. you are <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's going to be good
2: yeah, so I've, um, it, it is an area of, um, I've done a, like I said, I've done a few big um, facility redevelopments and negotiations, so um, I know my way around those conversations. So we're certainly, like I said, um, in the depth, and it's one of our absolute priorities, um, is making sure that it's a good long-term base where our fans can actually, as you say, come and... And we've got so much history at the yes. Melbourne Football Club. We really want to make sure that, um, just like our cup, which has been everywhere, touring around so everyone can have a photo with her and, and touch her. We want to make sure that all our other memorabilia is, um, is there and available for people to come and see and enjoy and, uh, you yeah, know, hopefully have a drink with the players and, and with me, I get asked for plenty of selfies, so I'm looking
1: forward to having a special place we can do that. Well, next time we have a chat, Kate, you can come in here and we can bring the cup. That'd be good.
2: Um... Yeah, I can't get in her diary. She's got her own diary. and People ask me all the time, I so say, I can't get in it.
1: So, um, she's a very difficult lady to get hold of. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad everyone's loving it. Um, just on broader AFL issues, Kate, if I could, um, the Tasmanian team um, it looks going to be voted on earlier this year. Um, where does the Melbourne Football Club sit on it?
2: Look, we, so we're still waiting to actually see a business case information thing. And it's not... I don't really think... The the question's not Tasmanian team. I don't think anyone says Tasmania shouldn't have a team. The question is how many teams in total can the league support. I think that's probably more what we're looking at now in terms of a, a realistic business case and an impact on the, on the league itself, the competition in pool. And we're yet to see that um, information. You know, as far as I know, it hasn't been completed get that research and, and data investigation and business casing and when we've seen that then we'll collectively sit down and, and talk, a, talk about what it means from a broader perspective, um, over the, what's a 19 team league look like if you add a team, what's a 20 team league look like if you want to have an even number of teams, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, conversation there which is not necessarily just um, about Tasmania having a team, it's actually about what the full league looks like and I think that's our duty and responsibility as as presidents, as clubs and as club, to make sure that, you know, it's the overall interest of the league that we're making a decision on, not, not the specific interests of where that team should be located, should there be an additional team entered into the league.
1: Yeah, fair call. Cool. No, that's a, that's a good uh, spot to be in. And um, uh, Patrick Dangerfield, uh, President of the Players Association, put it on the radar on um, on Melbourne Radio this morning um, about a mid-season trade period. Um, yes. As a president, where, where would you sit with that? And is that too difficult from where you sit or could it possibly happen?
2: Yeah, look, I think it could happen. Um, You know, certainly we're always ready Um, recruitment-wise. My recruiters, um, uh, Jason Taylor and and Tim Lamb, I spent time with them when I was over quarantining in Perth, actually, for the grand final. They do an extraordinary amount of work year-round, and I could go to them now and say, if they brought the draft forward to tomorrow, who would we pick? They'd be able to tell me. So I think clubs would be in a position to do it, um, you know, how it would impact, you know, the playing group and salary caps. And, you know, there's all... The, the AFL is an extraordinarily complicated system because we have soft caps, we have salary caps, we have total player payments, we have injury payments. So it's not necessarily drafting a player. It's what it means for everything else um, in your system. That's there, and and are probably the bits that are harder to work out than actually having a draft. Because, like I said, I could I could ring JT now and say, quick, we've, um, we've been given a, a emergency draft that we need to pick it in half an hour. Who will we pick? He'd be able to tell me, and I can tell you, it would probably be a pretty pretty damn good player too. Oh, oh,
0: that's that's pretty, right. That is right. Hey, we... could do with a few. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Look, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the um, the draft itself—it's—it's it's how you manage it yeah. in the context of all those other, um, you know, extraordinarily complicated things that we have to keep an eye on throughout the season.
1: It is, um and looking just closely, game against Sydney on Saturday night—I'm so <laughs> sure we'll bounce back, won't we? Yeah, look, we—we um,
2: we got some good ins. Um You know, we miss—we missed, we missed um, Eddie Langdon. Um, speaking of. Of favourite players, he's my my favourite surfy um, surfy looking player. Eddie. <laughs> um, he's like having he's like having two players out on the field. The amount he runs, so yeah. particularly against Freo, we we really missed it because they they're a big outside running. Out in themselves, not surprising. Um, that's where he comes from. So um, we've got. We should have quite a few, I think. Back. Tommy I mean, Mack went out. Um, you know, just late in the piece as well. I looked up to see Sammy Weedham down in the back line on the weekend. <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. hang on, things aren't quite um, as they should be when I see Sammy down there. So uh, we'll have um, hopefully some some critical ins back. Maisie will still be out, so um, he's, a, he's our absolute concrete wall down there at the back, so that's a big loss that um, Tomo's been playing well. So I, they will bounce back, I know they were, um, you know, they weren't happy with the, with the loss the first of the season, but they still weren't happy with it, and um, I expect with some of those in, you know, that was a lot of changes for our structure with um, the number that we had out so I expect that to stabilise and track was unwell um, as well so I expect um, him to bounce back and Clary didn't have his usual 40 touches so <laughs> I'll have a word to him about that and make sure he picks himself up a bit.
1: <laughs> that would be great. No, I I
0: appreciate think it, yeah. it is a good test that uh, if if you're going well and you do have that loss it's never the loss that you need to have but to bounce back's the the real key and yeah Melbourne should be able to do that yeah, I, I, I yeah look and
2: the, you know we've had our COVID hits we've had we had you know just a, a series of outs um, there and you sort of go we can cope with one more but then the next one we like we're sort of that's the one that um, just creates that bit much disruption, particularly um, with the setup of three being so tall down there. But you know, we always know that we're likely to lose a game during the season because it's a tough competition. Mm. You're a bit off one day, and and your opposition's switched on. You know, they're really difficult to beat at the best of times. Much less if you're a little bit off or you've just you know haven't got the haven't got the per- key personnel like we saw with Maisie go out during the game. And, you end up with your forwards in the back line because Tommy Mack wasn't there, then those little things just do make a bit of a bit of a difference and you only need to be 2% off to to um, you know not be at your best and you've got to be at your best to, to win in this competition. We're fully aware that last year's best uh, is not going to be good enough to win this year, so we're working on improving on that.
0: Okay. Well, one last from me. We can tell by just chatting that you love football.
2: Oh absolutely yeah it, look it's not a um, I would say being a president or certainly as as I am um, Gary Pert our CEO goes um, I'm the personality of the club and he doesn't mean that in terms of I'm the person that everybody knows but the way I act and conduct myself is the way that others you know others think well that's how we act and conduct ourselves and I just think you know Would be such an extraordinarily difficult thing to do if you just didn't love Mm. love your club, love your people, love your supporters. I get stopped at Coles for a selfie when I'm in my tracksuit, and I say absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's important to it's important to them that they see me as a symbol of uh, you know Mm. success for our club. Then you know, I've always got time to stop and chat and say hi and say thank you because you know the reason we're here is because of our supporters. So um, yeah, it's it's a huge honour for me to be to be able to do this and I'll, um, you know, I'll finish one day and that'll be a really sad day, but I'll always look at it and say it was one of the most extraordinary things I ever got to do in, um, do in my life and with such an extraordinary group of people, it's um, it's a huge joy.
1: Yeah, it's oh, awesome. Absolutely, Kate. Uh, um, we're going to leave it there, but uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight but and thank you for bringing the premiership to the Ds.
2: Absolutely. Look, hopefully uh, one of many for all those Ds yes. supporters. Um,
1: Out there, I I don't think we're finished yet. Oh, So good to hear. So good to hear. Thanks, Kate. Really appreciate your time. Thanks. Enjoy your evening, everyone. Thank you. There we go. Kate Roffey, the Premiership President of the Melbourne Football Club.